This is our fifth session on Colossians 3, 5 to 10. And our focus in this section is on verse 6. On account of these things, or on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Put to death, therefore, the members of your body that are on the earth. Sexual immorality, in other words, insofar as the body is taken control of by these sins, put that part of your body to death, make it inactive and ineffective in its doing these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Father, I pray that as we try to understand the wrath of God, how it's coming, is it coming upon saints? If not, why would we be warned? Help us to understand the function of warnings now in our lives so that we don't blow them off nor understand them wrongly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my question is, does it make sense to threaten saints with the coming of the wrath of God as a motivation for not being involved in sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, because wrath is coming upon these saints who have died with Christ, who are risen with Christ, whose lives are hidden with Christ in God, as it says in verses 1 to 4 of Colossians 3. My answer is yes, it does make sense, and we want to see how it does. Paul never uses this term, orge, wrath, for the discipline of Christians. I looked at all of them, again, just to assure myself, and you can do the same. Look up orge, the Greek word behind this word wrath. It only refers to the punitive, condemning, punishing wrath of God. For example, Romans 2.5, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. This is final, destructive hell. We are saved from this. That's what makes the question relevant, right? We're not going to encounter this. Those who are in Christ have no condemnation over them. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. It's not going to happen to us, right? First Thessalonians, we wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We're going to be delivered. It's not going to be our experience. Or again, my favorite, if I were to die today, I believe. My wife would put this on my tombstone. We've talked about it. This is a precious verse to me. God has not destined us for wrath. No, not destined us. I say to this, I say this to myself almost every night before I go to sleep. You are not ordained or destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, 
so that whether we wake or sleep, <laughs> whether you're um, living or dead, you're going to live with him. So the point is, those who are in Christ, true Christians, are not going to experience the wrath of God. All wrath has been absorbed by Jesus. So are the saints threatened with wrath? Does God warn them with wrath? And the answer is yes. Here's Ephesians 5, very similar to the Colossians passage. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, because you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. He's warning saints, you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you live in an unrepentant, sexually immoral way. Or Galatians 5, he lists all the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, and he lists a lot more. And then he says, I warn you, there is a biblical place for warnings towards you, the church. You Christians, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He warns saints, don't give way to a lifestyle that doesn't inherit the kingdom. Here it is again in Hebrews 13. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For, here's the argument, the ground, God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. That's a warning to Christians. Don't surrender your walk of holiness in reliance upon the Holy Spirit to walk in a path of righteousness. Don't surrender it and walk away into sin, because God will judge you if you do. So, if saints are not going to experience the wrath of God, if we are in fact going to be saved by him from the wrath of God, what's the purpose of warnings not to live so as to incur the wrath of God? The answer is, the warnings are taken seriously by the saints, by the elect, by God's people, so that they become motives of perseverance, and it is by perseverance in faith that we are finally saved. Look, for example, at Hebrews 3, 13 and 14 to illustrate how warnings are meant for our perseverance. Exhort one another every day. Now, what does that include? As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened. So that's an exhortation. Hey, fellow Christian, my good friend that I meet with every other week in small group, don't be hardened. That's a warning. Don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And saints don't blow that off and say, hey, I can't be hardened. I'm a saint. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't need any warnings like that. No Christian talks like that. 
Only a very deceived person with a bad theology talks like that. We listen to this and we learn from it and we talk to each other this way. We say, we exhort each other every day, don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And here's the reason. Because we have come to share in Christ, that is, we in the past have come to share in Christ if we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In other words, these warnings, these exhortations not to be hardened are a means by which we hold fast firm to the end and thus confirm that we were originally made sharers of Christ. This is confirmation. Warnings are intended to help us live in a way that confirms our new birth. Here it is again in Colossians, just coming home now to Colossians. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. No wrath, no wrath for God's children. Holy and blameless, above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith. This is what I mean by perseverance. You continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. So now, here's the question. Is anybody ever scared into heaven? And the answer is no. You can't be scared into loving Jesus. The mind doesn't work that way. You have to love Jesus because Jesus is lovely. You love Jesus because Jesus is good. You love Jesus because Jesus is wise and kind and strong and courageous and merciful and gracious. We love Jesus because of who Jesus is, and we go to heaven because we've embraced Jesus and trust Jesus. Nobody can be scared into loving or trusting Jesus. But we can be scared away from hell. Most of us were when we were kids, right? I don't want to go to hell. And when Paul says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming, he means for us to tremble at the prospect of incurring the wrath of God by walking into a lifestyle of sexual morality, impurity, passion, and evil desire, so that we are sent flying to where? To the previous verses. I've been raised with Christ. Christ is my life. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I will one day appear with him in glory. We are sent flying to the glorious truth that God achieved in the gospel for us, and we are made to fall in love again with Christ and the life he gives us and the glory he promises. That's the point of the warnings. The warnings awaken fear. Fear doesn't save. Fear sends you flying to what saves, namely Jesus, and by grace your eyes are open to see that there is something vastly more desirable than sexual morality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness, and you are protected then from the wrath of God by the warnings 
don't go there. Rather, fly away to Jesus and fall in love again with him.